This is Mouth Media Network, audio for business. Hi, I'm Sonal Gandhi. I'm the Chief Product Officer here at The Lead. And what I love about innovation is that that sort of represents the best of us as human beings, this constant need to find solutions to problems and and change and create new things. And that's what I love about innovation. And I've been part of innovation pretty much my entire career. Hi, I'm Noah Gelman. I'm the CEO here at The Lead. And what I love about retail is the opportunity ahead, given all the changes we've seen over the last decade. From New York City, you are listening to Fashion Is Your Business, covering the intersection of innovation and business in the fashion industry. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Fashion Is Your Business. I'm one of your hosts, Mark Rako, and uh, uh, with us all is Mr. Pavan Ball from Bellwether Culture. Pavan! Hey, yo. Yo, yo, yo. Hey, yo. I should just start saying, hey, yo, steal your thunder. So uh, good to see you, man. Um, Likewise, likewise. Thank you. Uh, And uh, with us today, of course, are uh, Noah Gelman and Sonal Gandhi from The Lead, which uh, I I have had the opportunity to have been to. Pavan, you've been to The Lead as well. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Very, very cool uh, conference when it was out in in the real world. Uh, And I can only imagine uh, what you are doing now that we're uh, thinking more digitally lately. Uh, Excited to hear what's going on but um welcome to the show so glad to have both of you here thank you for having us yeah great to be here of course uh, perhaps we could uh lead off see what i did there this way i did i, I saw uh, what sorry you sorry i saw thank what you, you did thank you it's brilliant uh <laughs> no one's ever done anything like that uh i uh i would love to start with this and that is uh and have you both answer through let's call it your individual lenses given the the different responsibilities and purviews that you have with the lead. What do you think is the most important thing right now that innovators and frankly, retailers should be thinking about right at this moment? That is a big question. And I am yes. going to, I only ask the all. biggest question. <laughs> Stay in business. Stay exactly. In, survive exactly. and but, innovate. But Noah, I, uh, I will invite you also to consider an answer through your own lines, because I think there's probably um, a very important answer that you can provide too from the work that you do. Uh, Sonal? Yeah, I think, you know, we all know that life is going to be very different post-pandemic. You know, towards the end of the year, we're going to see what the the overall long-term impacts were. And I think as an innovator, as well as a business leader, we need to be thinking about sort of what that looks like. What does that post-pandemic consumer want? How will they shop? Um, I mean, will they go back to stores? What, What those type of experiences they're looking for? Um, are we going to go back to that, you know, fast consumption or are we going to go back to something different that's more sustainable and eco-friendly? So those are sort of the big questions people should be pondering right now. You know, for retailers and for innovators in particular, uh, I think a lot about the growth in e-commerce over the last 10 months. And when we started the lead a few years ago, part of what got us really excited was this notion of an kind of S-curve growth in e-commerce penetration. Um, and I don't think that that S-curve was quite as steep as we had expected uh, over the last few years. Well, that all changed dramatically over the past 10 months. And so I think as innovators, as retailers, the imperative is to adjust the business to the fact that you know 10% more audience, 10% more uh, of the buying community is now online. And we just released a piece of research, the Foremost 50, uh, which is our list of the top 50 direct-to-consumer digital native brands. But what we learned in this research was that these companies, they were struggling a year ago. They couldn't find more consumers online. They were opening stores to attract Gen X and baby boomers. That all shifted nearly overnight. And I think that's a reality that everyone in the industry uh, has to take into account. You know, before we go forward, I want to take a step back and really just kind of talk through for those that are not familiar with the lead, just kind of Talk through uh, what is the lead, what is the product or the services that you're offering to the sure. community? 
So, so the lead is a media company, uh, which I'm sure you guys can appreciate what it is uh, to be in this business. Uh, what we do, uh, as we like to say, is we bridge the fashion and retail and consumer industries with the global Silicon Valley. We're hyper-focused on innovation across these sectors. And the way that we do this is really through kind of three parts of the lead. Uh, first is our research, uh, a little bit about the uh, different lists that we do. We do a list of the top 50 digital native brands, the foremost 50, the top 100 venture-backed tech startups across the value chain, the leading 100. And then we do the Defiant 25, looking at the uh, top 25 companies who are really kind of bucking the trends of retail in general. We learn a whole lot from that research. We publish it in our magazine, The Lead Quarterly. We publish it in our weekly, TL Weekly. Um, and then we bring everyone together uh, around these events. And for a long time, we would do the Lead Summit, which was for thousands of people based in Brooklyn. Um, we've gone online with the Lead Classroom. Um, and we've really kind of narrowed into a very uh, community-oriented, conversation-based engagement for folks to learn and connect. Well, before we go on to, uh, of course, the Foremost 50 was published today uh, exclusively through Bloomberg First, and we will go into that, of course, and maybe some of the other insights that you published throughout the year. Uh, but again, you, you mentioned it. Mark uh, mentioned that we, we both uh, ha were privy to attending the uh, the Leeds Summit when it was in its you know physical glory in Brooklyn. Um, but I'm wondering just if you could talk through like your transition into going into a, a quite an active, vibrant digital community and what that process was like. Yeah, thank you for the question and for raising the PTSD that I still suffer from <laughs> as a result of uh, the March through May experience. Look, I, I think it's, it's a huge thank you um, to our community for the willingness and the openness to kind of uh, give us a chance um, and to the larger kind of retail innovation world for being open to new concepts. Um, without them, we really couldn't have made the pivot that we have. Uh, essentially, um, what we did is we looked at the Lead Summit, and that was an event that was built for innovators that are innovating across the entire fashion retail commerce value chain marketing tech, e-commerce tech, supply chain tech, store tech, and on and on. And we said, well, rather than bring all these folks together under one roof, let's bring them together in small groups under many different virtual roofs. And so we reoriented our programming to be very much focused on small groups, um, being hyper-focused on conversations, and bringing in some just incredible um, kind of teachers, more or less, from the industry who can teach best practices and of-the-moment trends to not only teach, but spark those conversations. So um, uh, we really went from being strictly focused on everyone being under one roof to being really focused on the specific needs of specific groups that are being impacted in specific ways. I appreciate that. And and look, just by somebody who's been following, uh, you know, been on your newsletters and again, attended the events, um, you know, I appreciate the uh, the velocity of the content. Um, I think that it's really difficult to hold people's attention given that we are inbounded with just, I mean, tons and tons of programming uh, that is digital. And to be able to stand out in, in aggregating, you know, galvanized community is, it. it's not the easiest environment for that. Uh, so I guess that's a, a test to, uh, you know, the folks that were with you prior and now continue to stick with you um, during uh, pandemic. But Sona, let's let's switch it over to you. I mean, the last 10 months, uh, Noah, you know, gave uh, some brief mention of it. It's been um, a wild ride, to say the least, uh, when it comes to digital. And given that your priority has been on keeping on the pulse of, you know, these innovations and the research that goes into retail, uh, I guess, evolution. Um, what is going on? What, what What's happening in your world over the last 10 months? Yeah, I mean, to be honest with you, it's um, it's been quite quite a journey for us to, to sort of look into w what is the value that we're providing our community and really evaluate every single aspect of it. You know, you can't hold people's attention for a very long time in a virtual medium. So how can you get them the most benefit in an hour or 90 minutes of programming, um, and then let them go back to what they're doing. And also, how do you sort of um, deal with all the Zoom fatigue that people have, right? Give, so how do you provide value with a short uh, time time period and, and make it also interesting um, 
uh, and and worth their time. So what we started to do was really um, first, you know, create very small eight to 10 people conversations around the topics that were most pressing to them and bringing people together that were not direct competitors, but had enough in common. So marketing executives or e-commerce executives or supply chain executives together in a round table. And that really helped us understand what they were going through and create the program that they were looking for. So we did these lead talk series at the beginning of the pandemic that seeded the ideas for what the classroom conversations should be. So the content is really created by the community. We just have to know how to sort of extract the best out of the conversations that we're hearing and then create more conversations out of them. So that's that's what we do. Uh, look, as a community, you know, you have touch points and again, your pulses on what collaborative opportunities are amongst your community. Uh, you are a natural uh, touch base for a lot of folks that are struggling in this environment and also just kind of learning and, uh, you know, looking to gain an edge. There there had to have been several. Now, let's let's go back to your PTSD of March to May. Um, there had to have been numerous business ideas or, or iterations that you were thinking through in terms of pivoting into. Can you talk through the ideas that you did not pursue? That's a great question. <laughs> um there, to be completely honest, there were, there were, this was the idea for us. And I think in part it comes from uh, Sonal and my shared passion for learning um, and our shared passion for learning through conversation. Um, personally, I have the added benefit of having worked in the education industry and in the distance education industry for quite some time. So I was a little bit partial to this direction and I saw the value in it early. Um, we called our friends. We pulled some, you know, influential folks in our community, um, and we jumped in with two feet. So, so there weren't any talks uh, internally about, hey, maybe we can become a, a broker of opportunity. I don't know. Maybe we could be an investment group, right? Looking into. So, where, where sure. were those conversations, if at all? Th those conversations seem to happen all the time, anyway. <laughs> um, sure. You know, there are sure. there are uh, VCs who approach us for sidecar funds. Uh, there are, you know, folks uh, who want us to help them broker real estate deals and HR recruiting and things like that. But we have a mission, you know, we're focused on uh, serving this community and really highlighting innovation that's occurring uh, in fashion, retail, commerce, um, you know, and, and what really kind of keeps me grounded in all of this, why I think I have ne never really entertained those concepts to much of a degree is, you know, I'm going to real, reveal a little bit of the secret sauce uh, for the lead here, but my favorite thing that we do hands down are the CEO interviews. Um, every week we get on the phone with two, three, four, five CEOs of either direct-to-consumer brands um, or of venture-backed technology startups. Uh, we ask them the same, same seven questions. We bring in the same selection committee. Uh, we keep everything in the room. And what I love about that is we, just like this conversation, we get honest, we look each other in the eyes, uh, we promise not to say things that we don't want to hear repeated. Um, and then, you know, trends that we discover from, you know, the root, the source of the innovators, we hear about it on CNBC uh, six months later, or we read about it in the news a year later. Uh, that's the coolest thing. And, and that's why we stick to doing what we do. Yeah. You know, you know, Mark, this sounds exactly like you and I, like in the I, sense that it's like, we've been doing this I for know. six years for a reason, right? Well, well it's interesting because that leads perfectly to my, my question. And that is how do you ride the balance between paying attention to what's happening and playing a role in driving what's happening? Because, you know, if a big conference, for example, uh, that leaders are paying attention to, focuses a lot of its energy on specific initiatives, specific technology, specific companies, a lot of the people there are going to come away going, well, that must be what I need to be paying attention on. And it focuses their energies and drives innovation. It may actually govern down other innovation, but it's a big responsibility. So you have an opportunity to drive things that you and your colleagues feel are important, but at the same time, you need to follow the tail 
of saying, we think this is happening and we want to share this with you and give you a lens in. That's a tough balancing act. It's it's a, ba- a balancing act on a much smaller scale, Pavan and I deal with even on a show like this, like he, he was inferring to, but you guys are doing it with many, many people who you know, have invested money in participating in that opportunity too. So anyway, do you have any thoughts on that? So by, sorry, by the way, this list of the 50, the, the, the list we're talking about, um, that's just a, a, a big billboard of that thinking. So very important to talk about this right now. I'm going to say two words and then turn this over to Sonal. Cause I think she can give a really good answer. Uh, other than to say, you know, this list, right, the top 50 direct-to-consumer brands, we follow these companies very closely, and we're very fortunate to be engaged with the CEOs of so many of these businesses because it helps us understand what's coming next. It helps us understand, you know, what are the pressures, the needs, the expectations for the biggest luxury brands, the contemporary brands, the multi-brand retailers, the big box stores, you know, the publicly traded companies. Um we're starting at the grassroots level and trying to uncover that. So Sonal, perhaps that kind of tees you up for uh, explaining why we feel confident um, in what it is that we're sharing. <laughs> I mean, I, I totally get that, you know, there is a big weight on our shoulders for, for curating this and, and saying these are the things that we think are important. Uh, but I've been doing it for a great part of my career. I was, uh, you know, an analyst at Forrester. And then, um, you know, I, I've been programming these events where I do have to choose what to put on stage. Um, and I think personally, I, I take a lot from my own personal experience. I spent uh, five years in retail. I've been a part of those innovation teams figuring out sort of, you know, what's important for this, uh, for our company to go forward. And I generally just put myself in the, in the shoes of my consumer, who are these executives, and see what would make the most difference in their lives and in their businesses. And so I do sort of use my own example as the lens. And what's doable and what's not doable, particularly with technology, you know, sometimes we have these great solutions, but they don't go very far because there's just um, not very practical in the way they can be implemented um, or, or don't have a, as much of an impact on the bottom line. So definitely those lenses um, I use to in order to make those judgments. You know, let's let's take this to the foremost 50 list that was published today. Uh, and by today, we are talking about, geez, I have to look at my calendar, Tuesday, January 12th. Um, so, you know, this is a list that you've been publishing for the last couple of years is the third iteration of the list. Um, what can we learn from it? I I mean, I see when I, when I browse through it, I'm seeing, um, retail of course is the through line, but you know, uh, in terms of product category, uh, it definitely, it, it runs the gamut, uh, more so this year than in previous years, but still heavily focused on, on fashion beauty, I would say is the anchor. That's right. Um, we've um, we've introduced a couple, you know, a couple of companies that are not fashion and, and beauty in this because we think they are making an outsized impact on the on on the industry right now. Um, uh, because a lot of people are at home and they're ordering from direct to consumer food and beverage brands, um, and uh, that that line between you know, beauty and health is also sort of shifting and merging. So we have featured a few of those um, brands that are health and wellness, but also are sort of borderline beauty. Um, and so those boundaries are blurring and therefore we're adding a lot of these categories into into our foremost 50. But just, just to look at the spectrum of innovation, you know, from um, diamonds that you can buy direct to consumer um, to, you know, uh, dirty lemon um, beverages. I think there is a lot of different categories that that innovation is occurring in. Uh, and I think it's important for us to feature that. What goes into uh, tabulating this list? What What are the considerations? So we have our seven different criteria, uh, and then just let me just bring them up so I don't forget. Which so we, yeah, no, care. and I can get it yeah. started. We have innovation, yeah. uh, total addressable market, uh, media buzz, commercialization, investor value creation, teams, and competition. Um, hopefully, I didn't leave out one of the seven, but really, in uh, the criteria that we use is we're coming at this to try to understand uh, two things almost the same way an investor would. Who's going to make an outsized impact on the industry and who's going to be here 
to stand the test of time so that those changes really become relevant. So it's one thing to be cool and different um, and like have a, a be a quick flash in the pan. That doesn't create lasting impact. You have to have great business fundamentals in order to stand the test of time. Yeah, I agree. But how do you how do you um, prevent yourself from falling into the trap of say like the Forbes list style trap where it's 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 when I look at a Forbes list and oh I made Forbes thirty under thirty or I was featured I look at him like how many PR like this company or the team obviously has PR money and they bought their way into that into that um, feature. So how do you prevent? I mean, look, it's it's money money talks and money talks loud. Um, but are are there um, are there ways in which you can defend that skew, whether it's cognizant or not? We're very strict about no pay to play in all of this. Um, the fact of the matter. So just yeah, and I think what you're getting at too is like, look, companies with more money have a louder voice, right? Because of that. So how do we make sure that we're not just uh, doing that? And I guess Sonal, maybe for you to answer this, but I would say that. Um, uh, having more money is sometimes an indication of, of future success, right? Because you have more people who believe in you and they're willing to fund your business. Um, and as a result, you've earned that outsized uh, voice. Uh, sometimes if you're smaller, maybe you're not ready to be recognized on the foremost 50. So, Yeah. I think the companies that we choose are at the high growth stage. So they're not very young. They've been around a few years and therefore have garnered, you know, public attention, media buzz, as well as some, um, you know, investment dollars. Um, the other thing that we do is that every year we do look at our list from previous year um, and do sort of do an analysis of where they are now. Um, and that also gives us a sense of how well we did in selecting the past year's list and what were some of the mistakes that we made so this is our third year that we're doing it so we've had racked up some of that experience um, in, in creating this list what if you could tell your story the story of your brand your product the compelling story of the sourcing of materials or ingredients or even tips for getting the best use out of your products what if you could engage your consumer, amplify their experience, or even improve conversion or initiate sales at points they don't usually happen? What if you could connect with your consumer wherever they happen to be, in the store, on your website, in the bathroom, or even on the go? What would that be worth to you? It's time you learned about StoryDot from Mouth Media Network. Short-form audio stories consumers can access with their smartphone, in brick-and-mortar locations, on physical product, or even embedded into your website. It's where commerce, advertising, and the consumer meet. Being competitive requires every advantage you can implement. So discover StoryDot today at www.storydot.com. That's www.storidot.com. How, how important is it to you to be seen as having an ear to the ground and, a, a, you know, the ability of prognostication uh, versus we know what's happening, here's your plug into what's already happening and and by way of illustration just hypothetically not to be idea boy but just as an example you know what if you had the kind of list that you're putting out now but there was also a a list of these are the not ready not yet ready for prime time innovate innovators that we think one year, two year, five years going to be on this other list and we want to call your attention to them. So they don't have that money. They don't have that clout, but we, we, so I guess the question comes to how much of what you want to be seen as and what you need to be is about that ear to the ground about what's coming tomorrow. Well, the first thing I'll say is we got that. Um, there is, uh, the foremost 50, um, which is our list of the top 50, uh, direct to consumer brands. And then we also have the ones to watch list. Um, which there's another 15 companies who are on the cusp, not quite ready for prime time, you know, Mark fitting exactly, uh, what you just outlined. Um, and I'll give a quick plug to, uh, Matt Caden, who I know has been a, um, 
uh, a guest on the show. Uh, for many years, he was the author of the Ones to Watch column uh, in the Lead Quarterly. Now, I'm, I'm curious, I guess, um, how this fits into your business model, whether it be the Foremost 50 or the um, the couple other lists that are your anchor kind of research pieces. Um, you know, of course, as uh, somebody who's reading the website, for instance, or the article, um, I can take whatever insights or, or inspiration away from me that that can be there driven or given that like, you know, I'm just reading a list essentially, but what's in the background that I'm not seeing uh, potentially that you're then able to, um, I guess, drive home, whether it's a, you know, maybe there's a, there's a membership portal, maybe there's a, you know, a more kind of earthier or girthier research um, kind of accessibility um, behind a paywall or something like that. Um, what, what else does this list kind of allow you to do in power? Yeah, it's a good question. Um, you know, the very easy answer is it is a great reason for us to bring a community together. Um, you know, it's a doing these CE inter, CEO interviews week in and week out. We get to see everyone and meet everyone and get to know everyone on a personal level. Um, that helps drive community. Putting the list together, I think, is just kind of the the peak experience of that year long process. Um, in terms of paywalls and additional content, we've thought long and hard about it to the question you asked earlier. And, you know, we want to do three things, right? We want to help people learn. We want to help bring people together and we want to help them discover partnerships that are going to help them move forward, uh, in their business lives and in their personal lives. If, if we can hit those three categories successfully and do it our way under our brand while delivering value. That's what we're here to do. We, we don't want to overstep our uh, kind of our calling and our mission. I, I truly appreciate that. No, that's um, you know, it's 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 rare that you'll find folks that are more than willing to um, ignore um, you know, the low hanging fruit in the room and be able to kind of be steadfast in the approach that probably is one step at a time, you know, and 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 one foot in front of the other, I guess, right? Yeah, and look, I'll say this. I'm having a ton of fun doing this, yeah. right? And I think Sonal is too, right? We were talking about it today. Like, I, I love what we do. And like, you know, it's a lot of hard work, but we have a great time with it. And um, I think we have a vision for what we think, you know, we can do and what we can bring. And we know where we're good and we know where we're not. And we're going to do what we're good at because that's how we're going to be uh, the best for the folks who are engaged with us. So, so what are you guys excited about? What what sectors, what brands particularly that were featured? Um, what are some of the learnings that really kind of threw you for a loop this year? Like, talk to me. What do we got? I mean, I think that the you know the most important thing uh, we noticed in 2020 was that a lot of these digital native brands did really, really well. Um, you know, they they were poised uh, you know to deliver the best shopping experiences online as as consumers were shifting, and a lot of them had great products and they they were lucky enough to have low CPMs because you know the spending fell on Facebook and Instagram. A lot of these uh, places where they usually acquire customers. So they had a great year. Um, and they now have, you know, sort of broken past that sort of typical consumer that is attracted to these type of brands, that typical sort of Gen Z, millennial, you know, a middle class consumer. And now they're really attracting a different, you know, type of mainstream consumer. Um, and, and so that's what's really exciting uh, that we found this year as we were doing this research. Yeah, you know, it, that's, that's an interesting point, because I think a lot of people don't realize that uh, the I guess the one of the one of the many effects of COVID is that um, you know with direct to consumer brands, it almost were like the first movers or the folks that were really into knowing what's out there were seeking them out, right? And we're be able to and really be able to follow these brands and engage with their storyline. Uh, but now you're finding that folks have um, just like again, I don't know whether it's just ten percent growth or not, but it's just it's it's bringing a mind shift of that accessibility to discovery and um, that openness to test out platforms that may have multi-market, you know, multi, you know, multi-brands and marketplace approaches that also then highlight these things. And it's, um, it's amazing that, um, you know, how, how technology has made the discovery uh, or I guess the ubiquitousness of uh, these marketplaces and 
Um, things like purchasing stuff through Instagram and how everyone's getting more comfortable with it allows us now to discover uh, the once undiscoverable. I think that I think accessibility is a big part of it, as you're mentioning. Um, I also think there's a, a real shift occurring in the world of direct-to-consumer, especially entrepreneurial, innovative brands that we have not seen up until now. You know, when this whole trend started in, you know, 2008, 9, 10, kind of with the Bonobos uh, kind of flagship um, uh, brand for the category, it became a venture play. It was about venture capital dollars uh, chasing these businesses, much like a software company, only to find out that, guess what? Brands are not technology companies. Um, and so the returns uh, and the expectations weren't quite met. I think you saw entrepreneurs um, who were a little bit uh, upset by the realities. You had investors who were writing off these investments. And there was a real kind of learning for the next generation of entrepreneurs of how to do this. And I think what's so exciting is you see more, um, you still see, you know, capital coming in from the outside. You still see kind of this rocket ship mentality, but you don't have it with venture term sheets. What does this mean? It means these brands can grow the way that they want to grow. It means they can build businesses that are going to last for generations, it, but they can still have an outsized impact. So I think the capital sources are changing the types of business. Businesses, and as the types of businesses are changing, the entire industry is changing. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, look, I'll also there, there's an argument said that also there, you know, the goals don't necessarily have to be that rocket ship. Right. So, I mean, with technology platforms, let, let's just talk about Shopify. I'm curious, do you know how many of these brands of the 50 are on Shopify? So I, we haven't done our analysis for this year, but I think looking back at last year, it was a little bit more than a third of the list was on Shopify. Um and uh, I think also last year's list, we saw about a third of the list um, were companies being run by uh, Warden MBAs, oddly enough. So um, I don't know what the correlation is there, but uh, a lot of MBA students uh, have started it's that war It's that Warby Parker effect, I guess. I don't know. I suppose so. <laughs> are, are, are there any other considerations that are in common, like, um, you know, uh, imp impact programs, uh, sustainability uh, um, you know, experience, consumer experience, uh, advancement, uh, the areas of outreach, everything from, you know, whether they have, uh, podcasts or live events or this or that. So anyway, are there, are any of that go into your factoring of who belongs on a list like this and how? So I think that those are big themes that consumers care about anyway. So they do go into into um, factoring, but I think let, less into how we judge the brands as to how these brands are evolving on their own. The more brands we come across, we're seeing you know people are getting even more woke by the day, right? There there are brands that are now gender neutral everything. There are you know we have a brand on our wants to watch list that's a makeup brand for men and unapologetic. Apologetically so. And so I think we're seeing the brands that are targeting even younger and younger consumers to be a lot more aware of where that consumer's mindset is and really creating products to meet that. So it's not so much that we're, we're seeking out those type of brands, is that what that's what we're finding when we go looking for what's happening in the industry. Um, but in terms of consideration of how we choose the brands, we definitely... Um, sort of look at how are they uniquely bringing that product to market, whether it's through supply chain innovation or whether it's through customer acquisition innovation or it's through experience or it's just positioning. It's it's just that it, that buying that product has never been that easier than than buying it with that brand. Um, and, and so that's what we're really looking for is how are they innovating in bringing that product to market. And I think a major shift that we've seen from last year uh, to this year is around the emphasis on customer acquisition and marketing having shifted more into logistics and supply chain. Um, that was not true a year ago. It was a race to find customers any which way in the most efficient way possible, uh, perhaps because of the pandemic, maybe for other reasons. This year, the emphasis has been on back of house supply chain, sourcing, uh, logistics and customer experience. And just for clarity, are these all just digitally native brands? Because I know a lot of these I see in multi-brand retailers, such as like a Target or something like that. Um, but uh, what what are the considerations in terms of category? 
So for the most part, they're all born online. Okay. So yeah, with, I media. think one exception. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, we had a brand uh, on the list called Nix, um, which I think was born was born as a wholesale brand, and then they sort of shifted their strategy and became direct to consumer. But they're you know they're they're doing really well during the pandemic and doing all the right things, so they made it on the list, despite be not being digitally native. But they're all started off as direct to consumer brands, um, and now have expanded into wholesale. Some of them. Um, but that was the criteria for how selection. many companies did you all talk to throughout this year? So um, uh, I know my spreadsheet is over 300 companies long yeah. as I was uh, went through multiple iterations of uh, narrowing it down. And, and did you connect with them directly every single one of them? I don't think we connected with them directly every single one okay. of them, but a substantial portion as of you them, narrowed or, as you narrowed it. Yeah. yeah. We, wow. we also uh, we're very fortunate that we have um, a program called the Lead Assembly that we hold uh, a few times a year where we bring together all these CEOs for uh, basically to talk to each other uh, and have these roundtable conversations. Mm-hmm. So we sit in on all of those and we're able to kind of pick a lot of information out of those engagements. We don't publish the information, but we use it for our decision making. How I mean, look, I, like I keep going back to other models, and I know that this is not the point. Um, however, like, look, what what they're doing over at Showfield, right, with Katie Hunt, um, the, your intelligence with these top fifty seem like this should just be a, a Showfield location, right? I mean, have all of them build out their experiences, throw a slide on the top floor, and let's go. You know. Yeah, I mean, look, it's um, I, I won't lie. We've explored a lot of different things to look at, but every time we kind of stray from the core, you know, uh, we get pretty disciplined and we say we know what we're here to it's do very, and we're going to do it and we're going to be the best at it. Yeah, right? it's cool. We're going to be it's, it's we're going to be the best at what we do and we're just not going to spread ourselves in a bunch of different directions. Well, fantastic. So before before we go into personal questions, I, I'd like to close with this. Uh, what, uh, at least from your individual perspectives, I know you don't necessarily speak for everybody associated with the lead per se, but what, what does the concept of the lead mean now versus perhaps what it might have meant when it was first launched? How has the decision for that to be the name? Because when you have a name like the lead, it means something. It's not a club, just a clever, it's, it has to do with the ethos of the, of the undertaking. So has that ethos moved and what does it mean now? I think the industry has changed um, since we launched the company uh, at the end of 2017. And I think what people are looking for has changed dramatically. Um, We have to stay in front of that change. If people are working from home, we have to be available to them at home. Uh, If people are looking for great solutions and they don't know where to start, we need to help them with that. And if people need to return to being with, you know, 1,999 other people to engage in a more uh, familiar manner, we need to provide that for them. So um, I guess the lead is about kind of staying out in front of where the world is headed uh, and doing our best to, to guide that direction to the degree that we can. Sonal, do you have anything to add to that? I think for me, uh, what 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 makes me get up in the morning and do what I do is to sort of help people help each other. So bringing the community together and solving problems together and being open and honest uh, with each other of what we're dealing with. Um, so that's why we create these conversations is because everybody's struggling to some degree and nobody has the answers, especially in this world. And so that's what we do. We help people to come together and find those answers or help each other out. Um, and I think the other thing that represents to me is that the optimism, the, the word lead is optimism. Optimistic. You know, we know that the world is changing, but we know that we can make it better um, and, and do better and, and our businesses can do well in this new world. And so we, we kind of trying to be optimistic about the future. I think the other thing I'll just mention is, you know, we're, we're speaking a lot today about digital native, direct to consumer. That still represents a small fraction of the total kind of fashion, retail, commerce industry, which you guys know very well. We focus on this group uh, because we think they have a sense of where the world is going. But our, you know, there's, you know, tens of thousands of people um, that are involved in our community. The vast majority are not in the direct to consumer world. It's tough out there. 
right? This is not an easy time to work in this industry, but it's something that we love. It's something that's familiar. It's something that we get excited about. And so I think to Sonal's point, we want to be able to help people through this transition. And if we can offer one piece of information or make one connection to help people on their journey through this, you know, transformative process, I think that's what the lead is about. That's what gives us satisfaction. Awesome. Thank you very much, both of you. All right. We're going to take a quick pause. When we come back, it's, uh, it's fun time with uh, off the grid questions where we get a little bit more personal right after this. Facebook is about to launch their biggest update ever. And since Apple's iOS 14 update, Facebook's been going crazy trying to combat this. Well, they're about to get even crazier. We want to make sure that you're prepared for all the changes coming down the pike. And our friends over at Sprake Media are here to help. From attribution window changes to measuring and tracking performance issues you're going to run into, the Sprague Media team will audit your account and give you the right custom strategy your brand needs. With their in-house content production studio, they can show you what kinds of ads and strategies are going to increase sales and customer acquisition here in 2021. So reach out to them at spraguemedia.com and ask about how they can audit your ads for free. Once again, that's spraguemedia.com, S-P-R-A-G-U-E media.com. And now it's time for questions off the grid with fashion is your business. Okay, Sonal and Noah, it's time for off the grid questions where we get a little off the grid, a little more personal in nature. Look at you as human beings to decide the order that we ask the questions. Uh, Puppet and I spin a, uh, a massive wheel of grid destiny, a prize wheel of sorts, where the prize is, I guess, that you get to ask the next question, or maybe it's that you didn't have to ask the next question. Maybe that's the prize. But in any event, I'm going to give the wheel a big spin, see who asked the first question, and the spin leads to me. I am the first question, and uh, I wish I had been more prepared for that. But anyway... Uh, <laughs> Uh, okay, so the question is this, and I'll ask the question, then you can both answer in, in turn. Um, what is a um, a secret? Not, not secret's the wrong word. A, a surprising consumer experience that you've had over the last year that maybe you went somewhere that you like, even online that you did you that you you never really thought you'd find yourself. But you ended up there and you bought something. And if people knew you were there, not not from an embarrassing standpoint, but they, you know, let's say it was a canoe store and they don't think of you as being into canoes, but there you did. You went and looked at canoes and bought a canoe online. Wow. You know, so what would be something that would really surprise the people that know you? Sonal, you want to, you want to start? <laughs> sure. Um I think the most exciting experience I've had in retail, besides shopping online, is I had to go to Costco to pick up some prescription glasses. And I end up spending an hour in Costco in a mask, just really, really missing the sense of being inside a store after months. I think I took a Uber for the first time in months. I went and spent time in, and it was just, I was so invigorated <laughs> for being in Brooklyn Costco. <laughs> that, that to me was like the highlight of my year in terms of shopping. Wow, that's My, really. Diddy just went to a fairway and to a grocery store for the first time forever because we've been on Prime and whatever Wegmans uses. And um, yeah. she literally said she stood there and stared at seafood for like yeah. 15 minutes, just gleefully. Yeah. So. <laughs> Speaking of Wegmans, I'm from Rochester where Wegmans originated. And um, I recently discovered, even though I live at the very top of Manhattan in Inwood, uh, and the closest Wegmans really is in Brooklyn. I guess there's one across the bridge in New Jersey. But anyway, um, I can get freaking Instacart 
all the way up here from Wegmans in Brooklyn. Wow. And as soon as I discovered that, it's over, man. Game over. We're <laughs> it, we're in trouble. That's all I have to say. So I've been uh, spending a lot uh, of time at Wegmans in the last ten months too. I can appreciate it. Can we can we say Wegmans ten more times for the keyword? To ching. Let me just all. I'll, all I want them to just send me some of their cheese you, bread. You, wait, so, so no, you, you mentioned beforehand you're you're in Brooklyn. Uh, Noah, you as well? Yeah, we're both in Brooklyn. Got it, got it. Oh, fellow Brooklynites, we should hang out. The, in a the park. lead HQ. Nice, nice. <laughs> uh, I'm dangerously so, uh, close though. I'm in Clinton Hill, which is like ten minute walk to that thing. Yeah, yeah. careful, uh, careful. Yeah. So Noah, did you have an experience that you'd like to share? Man, I got to tell you. Um, you know, so uh, we recently um, bought a family car. I have a uh, uh, nearly two-year-old, and it was time to grow up and be an adult. And so um, December was kind of car buying month, uh, and we started our process kind of on Carvana, one of these digital um, experiences, and didn't find that it was quite right. And I really wasn't... Uh, ready to buy a car online. It just didn't feel like the right thing to do. So we said, we're going to go into the dealership and we put our mask on and we brought our, you know, 20 month old to run around and touch everything and say hi to everyone. And she flirted with all the salespeople. Um, but at the end of the day, it was a really disappointing experience. Um, and I now have come to appreciate the fact that if I were to do this all over again, I would have bought this car online. It's something I would have completely dismissed out of hand uh, six weeks ago, and having gone through the process um, and bought this car, I would absolutely make a uh, one of the biggest purchases of my life. Right, I'm online. Never, never would have expected it. Wow, that's some data right there. Nice. Um, that that's almost an article you could write. You yeah. know, um, like yeah. a transformative. It's a ma- made for medium right, and LinkedIn. Yeah, right. the uh, <laughs> uh, test driving in a pandemic. Yeah. That's right. There you go. Um, All right. Another spin of the wheel because that's what we do. And the next question is, of course, from Pablo. You know, you're you're both, uh, of course, highly focused on cultivating community and driving value uh, to like-minded folks. That doesn't just happen, um, meaning like you don't just fall into these roles and uh, and and find that reason for waking up and doing what you do. And I'm curious, uh, you know, going back even as early as early childhood in terms of both of you respectively, how has community uh, or community leading and developing played a role in your lives and your journey? I'm going to let Noah answer that one first. Yeah. I, I, first of all, I appreciate that question um, because it means a lot to me. You know, I've I've always been a person who likes to make sure that we have uh, what I would say kind of crowd pleasers, right? What is it that we can do? And what is it that like I can do as a person to create an experience to kind of lift up even just my friends, right? Or, you know, friends of friends. And that's always been something that's really important to me. I like, uh, um, you know, in high school, I was in student government and in college, I was like the social chair, uh, the fraternity, and I just I loved having the opportunity to bring people together. And selfishly, um, I like to insert my ideas uh, within to that community as well. Um, but I do think I have everyone's best interest in mind. And when it came time to kind of building a business, the lead is a it's a it's a model that could apply to a number of different industries. Um, but we chose this one because we felt like we had a group of people who were ready to be engaged as a community. And in looking around, it didn't feel like there was an authentic uh, place for folks to go um, to find other people who are going through the same circumstances and facing the same challenges that they are. Um, So I don't don't think I came into it and into this business from that point of view. I came into it from a point of view of a wonk. I, I was, I did research in my previous life. I was part of innovation at, at big retail. And I came in through the hat of, I want to curate things. I want to provide my point of view. Um, and as I was doing it, um, I've sort of learned that the the importance of building that community because you could have point of views all day long, but if if you're not helping people for what they want or or helping people get what they want out of that, then it's all all pointless. So I think I I came from a different point of view and have sort of grown to love the role that I'm in. Great. I appreciate that. Thank you. 
Uh, great. Thank you so much. Uh, any final thoughts you might like to leave behind? And it can, it doesn't have to be the wisest moment in your life, but you might reflect on this conversation, uh, uh, something you'd like to leave behind as, uh, as your last moment on this show with us forever. <laughs> well, you know, considering it's uh, our last moment forever. Um, <laughs> Not yeah. Really. No, we're, we're, we're by the way, it's been wonderful to be here and really enjoyed uh, the experience. And, and, you know, look, we, we, we spoke a lot about um, what's going on in the industry. We spoke a lot about the list. We spoke a lot about the, the business model. Um, but I want to know kind of what about for you guys, right? You're doing this day in and day out. You chose this category to really sink your teeth into. Um, you guys are getting your message out in a unique way. You know, what, what motivates you guys to do this? And why did you guys choose this medium to communicate through? Well, the the initial journey started, we had a consulting firm that helped uh, retailers uh, navigate through the influx of innovation from, let's say, 2010 to 2015. And uh, this, uh, the podcast was suggested uh, by a, uh, a friend or a colleague that, that said, hey, podcasting might be a medium that's perfect for you all because we are already storytelling. We had um, a pretty robust blog where different thought leaders would contribute to almost like a HuffPost style. And uh, they said, you may want to go into to audio. And this is right before um, the resurgence, I guess, of the medium of podcasting, just before that. Um, so I think Serial, the podcast, um, launched in December, and we also launched that same December. Um, so we it was right place, right time. And, um, you know, it was our first podcast. We really loved it. And um, based on that, we ended up pivoting the entire company into uh, what's today Mouth Media. Uh, but what keeps us going on it, and again, I think since, yeah, the priorities have completely shifted, And uh, but on our side, I think, for, and I'll speak for myself, is that uh, it's community building. No, it's uh, to, to your point is um, I, I really love learning through conversation. Um, I think that was perfectly put. Um, we, we've, um, I've had a history of that over the last, let's say, 12 years professionally of, of doing those types of programming. And I, I can't get rid of it. I can't get rid of that appetite. And I, I enjoy it. It doesn't have any direct relationship to the work that I do today in terms of my business priorities. Um, but it drives value. And I can't to let that value sizzle out. I, I have to keep it going. So for me, on top of what Pubbin said, I actually think we're in, in, in a weird way, a mirror image of what you guys are doing just in a different format. You know, not to minimize how much you do this, Noah, but uh, Sonal has her ear to the ground and she's looking ahead at what's next and what's happening. And Noah, you're building community. I mean, you both are, but you're building community and forging relationships and having conversations. And that's this show is just a mechanism to those things happening. And because we are, you know, the guests that we get to talk to. All we are is just trying to learn from them about what they're doing, how they're thinking about it. And through that, we make relationships and over, you know, in fact, I'll be so bold as to say that if the lead doesn't have a podcast now, it's absolutely something that you should have, not because everyone has a podcast, but because it fills in a gap of a way that you can connect with people that are either not geographically near you or from a time standpoint, it's real tough to get an hour with that person. But the kind of concentrated learning that you can get out of really mining someone in the most positive of ways of saying, let's just spend some time and learn from you about how you think about things, what you're doing and why you're doing them. And then here's the other thing that's sort of cool. So, you know, this is fashion is your business, but uh, just for context, Mouth Media does work. You know, I mean, the lead is not, you know, it's not all fashion all day. You know, there's so many industries that that come through there and that can learn from each other. And, you know, what can the grocery industry learn from the fashion industry? What some of those innovators have done or those brands have done that, is outside the box of the way the grocery industry typically thinks and goes, gosh, if we could just adapt what they've done there, that actually would solve a problem for us and vice versa. So what we learn is, you know, fashion is your business. We're not talking to people in the fashion industry all the time. In fact, most of the time we're not. We're talking to AI and 
e-commerce solutions and community builders and, you know, people that are doing what you're doing and so forth. And my hope is that just like you through that learning process and that relationship building, we can share it with others. And through that process, someone's business could be transformed. And through that transformation, consumers are served, employees can grow in what they're doing and keep their jobs. And if that's a great solution, it can really change an industry potentially if it's an exciting innovation. And then, you know, if we have a business model that supports that and we can keep going, all the better. That's wonderful. I think, um, you know, I know we're coming to the end of our time here, but I'll, I'll share the story with you, which is um, I've been listening to the show for years. Um, Thank you. Yeah, of course. And you're the one. Yeah, I'm the one. I'm that he one keeps, person. He keeps showing up on our stats. This guy. Yeah, I, we're like it happened again, Bobby. Yeah, I'm the guy. Uh, but I have I have memories. You know, this was only a few years ago. But like um, me and my wife during the summer. You know, we live in New York, so we're you know heading upstate or we're going out east or we're doing something on the weekends in the summer. And um, you know, catching up on my kind of fashion is your business podcast and being in the car and. Uh, you know, someone calls, I'm like, shh, 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 I need to hear what they're going to say. Um, so, uh, you know, first of all, you know, it's an honor to be here. Thank you guys for having us. And um, I stand here to tell you it's true, right? These conversations uh, mean a lot to us and we've learned from you over the years. So um, uh, it's just great to be here. Mason, thanks for that. Thank you. I have to tell you, I appreciate that so much, Noah. And I have to tell you a quick secret. We were down in Washington. We, I think we've talked about this before. We were down in Washington to meet with... Uh, Congressional leaders and and share about uh, insights into the fashion. This was tech on uh, January of... six, two thousand twenty-one. <laughs> well, yes, you look great under the circumstances. <laughs> Whew, let me tell you, no, this was kind of years. but but we uh, we we uh, they had a, a a ride share available for us in Teslas of all things, and I remember getting into the and what they had arranged is fashion is your business was being played through the car speakers in all of the fleet that we're of bringing all the, the, yeah, the congressional leaders to this event. <laughs> so we get into the car and our driver has been listening to us the whole day over the speaker. We get in and he starts to hear our voices like, wait yeah. a minute. That's really weird. Yeah. <laughs> that is pretty funny. <laughs> it was a pretty surreal moment, but, uh, but in any event, thank you very much for that. It's, it's always gratifying to, to what you do. I mean, what you do, it must be very, very gratifying to, hear that impact you've made on a, a business leader, an entrepreneur, a startup founder, a brand that they learned something or had an insight that maybe transformed the way they were even thinking about yeah. something and leads to something really And, and you know what I think, uh, an inspiration, you know, I think that, um, we, we really know that it's our job to help inspire because if you can't, um, kind of shed the, the anxieties and the challenges of the day um, and be inspired, it's very difficult to have the the mind space to rise to the moment. And we're all called to rise to the moment right now, given the transition that this industry is in. Thank you. So, Sono, if you want to follow that, uh, I want to give you the opportunity to reflect as well, if you'd like to. Yeah, I think... Um... Uh, you know, what I want, we've created this list of these 50 con direct to consumer brands. And one of the common themes is that this is about sort of uh, thoughtful consumption, you know, quality over quantity. Um, and, uh, and, and we're hoping that that thought sort of crosses mainstream and that we all become more thoughtful and conscious of how we consume and what we buy. Um, and so that would be my parting thought is that, you know, a lot of these companies that even though they may not be certified B Corp, they are certainly building their brands on some of those ethos. Um, and we hope that those um, win out um, in the long term. Sorry, Sonal. Uh, I'm just curious. Uh, do you, how many uh, were certified B Corps? I don't think we did that okay. analysis. Yeah. yeah. But but I can tell you just um, aside, what we do, um, we do like an award ceremony uh, for these companies. And we call this the lead forum. It happens in a few weeks where we um, not only honor kind of all 50, but then we give five special awards, uh, Trailblazer of the Year, Breakout Company of the Year, et cetera. When we did this last year, it wasn't by design, but when each of the CEOs, the founders came up to give their acceptance speech, literally every single one had a, you know, a social good, social justice, give back story associated with the brand. 
Um, uh, five out of five, a hundred percent. Yeah, I mean, to, to to Sonal's point, I think that it just shows the forefront of how um, society is shifting and consumerism is uh, following that, which is yeah. a beautiful thing. Beautiful. So how can people connect with uh, with the lead, perhaps with you personally uh, um, or individually, I should say? Um, any insights about how you'd like to invite people to connect with you and find out more about the list as well as the lead in general? Yeah, thank you for that. Um, you know, Google the lead uh, will pop up first um, on your on your uh, Google search results. Uh, I'm Noah at the lead.co uh, with a hyphen between the and lead. Sonal is Sonal at the lead.co. And we'd love to invite everyone to come and be part of the lead forum. It's open to everyone this year, which is something we've never done. Um, we're going to give some really, uh, really great insights as to what we learned through the research process. We're going to honor um, the ones to watch and the foremost 50. And then we have uh, some surprise awards for uh, five companies who have really kind of stood out uh, among the group. Wow. Uh, Noah Gelman, Sonal Gandhi, thank you so much for joining us. Such a, a wonderful organization that you steer, and we're grateful that you exist. So uh, thank you very much for joining us. It was a special episode of Fashion Is Your Business, and uh, we'll look forward to seeing what you, what's next with you. It was a pleasure. Thank you. Thank you. All right. Uh, that's it for this episode of Fashion Is Your Business. Thank you, everybody, for being along with us uh, on the ride. Until next time, for Pub and Ball. Shake it easy. I am Mark Rako. Have a great day. Bye-bye. This has been Fashion Is Your Business, produced by Mouth Media Network. Copyright 2021. Keep in touch on Instagram and Facebook at Mouth Media Network and find prior episodes at fashionisyourbusiness.com and wherever the best podcasts are found. Thank you for listening.